This podcast was supported by the Pulitzer Center. Ixtaro, Michoacán. Burrowed between rolling hills, this Mexican town had always been quiet, peaceful, until they started planting avocado fields. This video shows Los Viagras and Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación in a shootout, supposedly filmed in a town about 100 miles from Ixtaro. Narco group Los Viagras saw the success of Ixtaro's avocado exports and violently overtook the town. Patrols guarded the entrances. Gunshots could be heard throughout the night. Farmers even found dismembered bodies on their land. Violent threats from these narcos kept Linda and the rest of her neighbors from reaching out for help. They were trapped in their own town. One local man had allegedly been feeding information to the enemies of Los Viagras. But they found out. Lo amarraron de los pies de, de, la, de una camioneta y lo estuvieron arrastrando por toda la plaza. They put a sack on his head, bound his feet, and dragged him through the streets tied to an SUV. Todo, todo el rancho. Then, in front of everyone, they took him to the plaza and dismembered him with an axe. They put his remains in a garbage bag and placed it on his doorstep. Bueno, los perros creo que traían ya. Linda says dogs were seen walking around with his bones in their mouths. Out of fear, people locked themselves indoors for days. There was no presence of law enforcement while Los Viagras ran Ixtaro. It became a ghost town. But there was a glimmer of hope. Nearby, a group of farmers was plotting to supposedly help save Ixtaro. They went by the name of Pueblos Unidos, or United Towns. Pueblos Unidos was founded as a self-defense group around 2020 as a way to counter narcos such as Los Viagras. The vigilante group secretly approached the people of Ixtaro, claiming they could help restore peace. Not long after, days of chaos unfolded. Yeah. Linda hid under the table while gunshots rang through the town. After five hours, it was still unclear who was doing all this shooting. But what was clear was that Pueblos Unidos was now in charge. We'll take care of you so Los Viagras won't be back, Linda remembers them saying. Linda was so happy with the arrival of Pueblos Unidos, so happy that she wanted to kiss her feet. The next day, Pueblos Unidos summoned everyone to the town square where they politely introduced themselves as farmers. They explained how they would keep Ixtaro safe. Unfortunately, this wasn't true. In a country with hundreds of thousands of victims from the war on drugs, fleeing home can be the only way to survive. 
This story will take you from the beautiful avocado fields in Michoacán, Mexico, to wineries in Napa, California. To the NRA convention and migrant shelters in Tijuana. To the homes of families whose lives have been uprooted because of armed violence. I'm Stefania Corapi. And I'm Toya Sarno Jordan. This is episode two of Caliber 60. When Linda's father passed away, she was left at home with her mother, Maria, and her two brothers. One of them was Willie. He and Linda were inseparable. Side by side, they grew into adults, and the bond they created was almost unbreakable. Linda felt they were like soulmates, like twins. She'd grown to trust him. So when Willie voiced his doubts of Pueblos Unidos, it made her uneasy. They'll have us as slaves, Willie once said to Linda. He saw that Linda was optimistic. Not wanting to crush her hopes of a better future, he told her not to worry. Maybe he was wrong. To prove their good intentions, Pueblos Unidos asked the people of Ixtaro to choose one of their own as their new leader. The leader's role was to bridge communications with Pueblos Unidos, and the town chose a well-respected farmer, someone known for his commitment to the community. But to Willie, something felt off. Pueblos Unidos promised safe streets at night, an end to violent robberies, and to bring back rodeos, or jaripeos as they're called in Mexico. But this was all sweet talk. What Pueblos Unidos really wanted was someone from Ixtaro who could be easily manipulated. After serving 10 years in the military, Willie knew corruption when he saw it. And Linda was one of the few people he confided in. To cope, Willie wrote raps, which he mostly kept to himself. A deeper silence filled him in those days. The days before he finally spoke out. The ghost of Los Viagras was used to create fear in Ixtaro. And then, the necessity of buying weapons. How will you protect yourself if you don't have a weapon? Linda recalls one of the men from Pueblos Unidos telling everyone. In one of their meetings in the plaza, Pueblos Unidos said that every family had to own at least one weapon. And that was an order. Empezaron a hacer un grupo, así en WhatsApp, Pueblos Unidos set up a WhatsApp group where they shared smuggled guns they had for sale. Big ones. Such as AK-47s or AR-15s. Linda's husband at the time did what he was told. He and other family members saved up some money and bought a long weapon. When he left it on the kitchen table, she felt that it would fire itself just by looking at it. Within weeks, every household in Ixtaro was armed. 
No sabían usar un arma. Nadie. Nadie de ahí del rancho. But nobody even knew how to shoot a gun. Since he'd been in the military, Willie would sometimes teach neighbors the basics. These skills also attracted criminal groups from nearby towns who tried recruiting him. He said no. He had quit the military to focus on his son and just wanted a quiet life. But quiet was becoming harder and harder to find in Ixtaro. Pueblos Unidos took over everything left by the narcos. SUVs, stolen money, drug labs, and urged people to post armed barricades at every entrance of Ixtaro. And then they began demanding fees from avocado farmers, exactly as Los Viagras did. At this point, it was clear Pueblos Unidos was also a narco group. These violent dynamics seeped into every aspect of life, even Linda's laundry business. Muchísimas bolsas grandes, exageradas de grandes, de ropa, pues muy sucia, exagerada de sucia. Imagine Linda's panic when these men came in with huge bags of dirty clothes, sometimes covered in mud or blood. She found tiny plastic baggies floating in the washing machine. She was petrified her new customers would charge her for any white powders she'd accidentally washed. As Willie's suspicions intensified, Linda was now seeing all the signs with her own eyes. You're listening to Caliber 60. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from the Catena Foundation, making ambitious public radio journalism projects under TPR's Border and Immigration News Desk possible. Welcome back to Caliber 60. Willie's son saw him as a hero. He remembers hearing the story of how his dad saved someone during a flood in November 2016. A friend of Willie's recalls how he started making trips to help elderly people, despite the dangerous flood. As we walked around Ixtaro with this friend, she pointed to the streets where the flooding happened and remembered it was a day Donald Trump won the election. Why are U.S. elections so important in Ixtaro? Well, half the population of Michoacán has migrated to the U.S. There has always been migration from Mexico to the United States, but Timothy Sloan, former ATF's attaché in Mexico, says the reasons have changed. Because it used to be they left for, for jobs, right? They leave for better security, maybe for better health care. It never was so exclusively violent crime that made you flee. In 2021, an estimated 29,000 Mexicans left their homes due to extreme violence, threats, and extortion from cartels. Dana Graber-Ladek, Mexico's chief of mission at the International Organization for Migration, explains that the leading cause of forced displacement does seem to be violence-related, 
and it is difficult to know exactly how many people have been affected. First of all, because uh, if someone's being displaced due to violence or to criminal activity, they don't necessarily want to be visible. And also, these people tend to be on the move, so it's challenging to be able to get accurate numbers. It's hard to get accurate data on how many people have fled their homes, but we do know that in one recent peak, 684 deaths from firearms were registered in Michoacán. That's one murder every 5.2 hours. Cecilia Farfán Méndez, security expert at UC San Diego, explains that increased access to semi-automatic weapons might be a root cause. Has it changed uh, the game in Mexico on how violence uh, plays out in the country? Absolutely. Weapons capable of producing greater damage in less time are at the center of this problem. By 2021, Ixtaro had already experienced many shootings. A local woman recalls when the armed group fired what she called the bazooka in the middle of the soccer field, leaving holes and traces in many houses. Linda's sons told us that shootings could last anywhere from a minute up to two hours. How did they distract themselves in the meantime? Playing video games like Mario Kart and cranking up the volume to tune out the gunshots. Shootouts became so frequent that schools would close for weeks and kids had to stay at home. One day, Linda's son was playing video games when he started hearing gunshots. He assumed that they came from within the game. The guy on the other side of the game told him he didn't hear any gunshots. Linda's son took off his headphones and realized the shots were coming from just a few blocks away. Linda and everyone else in Ixtaro describe the scene like straight out of a movie. Tensions between Pueblos Unidos and locals came to a head on the morning of February 22, 2021. Pueblos Unidos lashed out over an avocado dispute and killed Ixtaro's town leader and his two brothers. Se escuchaban muchos gritos, gente llorando, este, y pues balazos por donde quiera. Screams and people crying between rounds of gunshots were all Linda could hear. It seemed the Pueblos Unidos was losing its grip over Ixtaro, and this time, Linda's brother Willy was ready to fight back. Grabbing his AR-15, he rushed into the plaza to confront the murderers. It is rumored that he only had six bullets in his magazine. Still, the confrontation lasted for almost an hour. Willie was kidnapped and tortured by Pueblos Unidos. After three days of Willie's family searching for his body, a photo on a policeman's phone confirmed their fears. 
His disfigured body was found miles away from home. It took one glimpse from his family to recognize the body. Willie's mother, Maria, still remembers the smell of the body. Something changed in Nixaro that day. His absence has become a presence of resistance and courage in Linda's town. Graffiti of his face greets people at one of the barricades guarding the entrance of Ixtaro. This song was composed by Alicia Sinsun and tells the story of Willie's bravery against this narco group. Corridos are songs that usually tell the tales of important figures in organized crime, but sometimes they're about those who stood up against them. Willie's courage has been immortalized in song. What can I tell his son? Your father is in heaven. With Willie's remains in the back of the truck, Linda and her sons started their journey back to Ixtaro. Police who had helped them find the body bid them farewell and good luck on their way to the cemetery. Cuando volteo veo como 12 patrullas atrás de mí escoltándome. Vi muchas luces de colores rojos y azules. But when she turned around, she saw 12 police cars with red and blue lights on. After months of turning a blind eye on Ixtaro's violence, they were publicly escorting them back home. Bells rang at each church they would pass, and Lina thought she was imagining it. Back in Ixtaro, they were greeted by banda music and dozens of people. Willie was properly buried, a ritual not all Mexican families touched by violence are able to do. The cartel's retributions were ruthless. Linda had to flee. Anyone she cared about was now in danger. Her children, her mother. Hidden under blankets, Linda left the only home she had ever known. Ixtaro became a place she could only visit in memory. But her journey had only just begun. More of this on the next episode of Caliber 60. Now that Willie was gone, Linda was responsible for her family's safety. Caliber 60 is reported and produced by Toya Sarno-Jordan and me, Stefania Corpi. Producer Jacob Rosari created all the sound design and original scoring for this podcast. Audio editing by Bennett Smith. Our editor is Yvette Benavides, associate editor of TPR and TPR Noticias. And Dan Katz is TPR's vice president of news and our executive producer. 
This is a production of Texas Public Radio with support from the Pulitzer Center and the Catena Foundation. Until next time.